thought it was a good passage uh, for us to consider on the, the first Wednesday uh, of, uh, uh, of a new year. And uh, it's a, a well-known story, really, but there are lots of uh, things in There's one really central theme which I want us to pick up, particularly with prayer uh, this evening. But there are several kind of sub-points of interest, really, for us. Straight away in verse 11, we've got that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So he's traveling. The clock has started to tick, as it were. He's on his way there. Uh, he knows where he's going. And uh, he knows that when he gets to Jerusalem, really the clock uh, on the week really starts to, to tick, isn't it, as he goes to his crucifixion. And it is Jesus on his way. He is traveling there. This is Jesus going, knowing what is going to happen to him. He is not an unwilling victim. Uh, he is not that kind of uh, act of uh, kind of sacrificial love alone. He knows that he's going there and that he's going there for us. It is a, 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 sacrificial, uh, a sacrificial love that takes him there, but it's not an example. He is going there to save us from our sins, to be the propitiation for our sins. He's deliberately, deliberately going there. And as he travels, we see that he goes on the, uh, the border between Samaria and Galilee, and there are ten men there as he goes into the village. They're at a distance, of course they are. They've got leprosy, they're unclean, They've probably got a bell and all that kind of thing that we, uh, that we know about with leprosy. Uh, and so they, they have got to be at a distance. They can't go close to Jesus. They're doing the right thing. And actually, they continue to do the right thing. You see that they realize who Jesus is. And look at the way that they approach Jesus. They're at a distance, so they don't rush towards him. They don't need to. They know that. Uh, they call out in a loud voice. Of course, it's a loud voice. Uh, they're at a distance, so they've got to shout out, as it were. They know who he is, and they are respectful, and even more than respectful, they show real faith here in what they request. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. It's not a question, is it? It's, a, it's an instruction, really. It's, a, it's that kind of request to, for Jesus to, to deal with them in pity. Have pity on us. It's a cry for help, isn't it? A loud cry for help from that distance. And, uh, and so you see something of faith here in action. Faith is never something that is unseen, is it? When... Um, uh, Stephen, uh, when they were the, the church in, in Acts, where the, they were choosing, the church in Jerusalem were choosing deacons. Stephen was uh, chosen. He was one of the men chosen because of his faith. And then there's a, a description of what his faith is like. And it's all about how it is seen because he does this. Faith is never something kind of ethereal or you see faith in action. And you see it here. They call out to Jesus. They try to stop him in his tracks. And they give that request across to him. Master, have pity on us. So they kind of get, perhaps not you know, fully who Jesus is, the eternal son of God and that. But they, they certainly are respectful and they certainly get that he's got, he can do something for them. Have pity on us. Master. And, uh, and so Jesus uh, doesn't go to them and touch them. 
he doesn't go to them and uh, uh, get them to eat some kind of plant or something or to wash in a pool or to uh, put mud in their eyes or, or anything like that. There's nothing physical there that they've got to do apart from the fact that they've now got to go somewhere. The instruction is simply this, go. So he doesn't say, I will heal you. He doesn't say, I will show pity on you. He simply tells them this, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, previously, when Jesus had healed people, one of the first things he does after healing people is tell them to go and show themselves to the priests, particularly when he healed lepers previously. Show yourselves to the priests. Show that you're now, and the priest can declare you clean. You can now worship God in the temple. But Jesus hasn't healed them yet, does he? Jesus just gives them a clear instruction. He doesn't say, I'm going to heal you. He doesn't say, do this, that, and the other. Go, show yourselves to the priest. And you see there, for all ten of them, as they went, they were cleansed. So all ten of them have that faith in Jesus. And that faith leads them to, to stopping in and to shouting. But also, that faith leads to obedience. When Jesus gives them this instruction, off they go. They don't kind of dilly-dally, they don't stop. Off they went, and they were cleansed. Jesus heals them on their way, going to the priests. So you see there that, you see the mercy that that Jesus uh, gives them. You see Jesus' healing power. He doesn't even touch them. He doesn't do anything apart from telling tell them to go and do something, but as they go, they are healed clearly by the Lord Jesus. And that could be the end of the story, and that would be a nice kind of another healing. But what sets this one apart, of course, and what makes the difference, and why it's kind of so apt for us this evening on the first prayer meeting of a new year, is this. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, comes back, praising God in a loud voice, throwing himself at Jesus' feet and thanking him. And over the ten, and again we get almost a a little aside, a little uh, interesting thing, and he was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. In other words, he's a foreigner. He's not one of those who was a Jew who should be worshipping God in the temple. He's the one who is with the others because of his leprosy, but... But he's the one who comes back. He came back, verse 15, praising God in a loud voice. There should have been ten praising God, but only one of them comes back to give thanks and praises God as he does that. And those actions really are bound up together. Uh, Giving thanks is praise. When we give thanks to God, we are worshipping, we are praising God. And that's what this man does. And again, it's a pointer, isn't it, that the church really is going to grow and expand and that promise uh, given to Abraham that in all the nations and tribes of the world uh, that uh, Abraham's seed will reach, that the Lord will save people from around the world, from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. That promise is being fulfilled here as a Samaritan uh, is saved by the Lord Jesus. And he's the one who is saved spiritually as well as saved from 
uh, that affliction that he has of leprosy. Jesus says, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. All ten are healed of their leprosy. One worships God and does it by throwing himself at Jesus' feet. He comes to Jesus to worship God, to thank him. Thanking Jesus is worship, clearly. Jesus spells that out. To give praise to God is this is what he's doing. But it's the foreigner who does it. Reminder, isn't it, that the gospel is going out around the world. It's not just centred in Galilee and that border between Samaria and Galilee with Jesus. It's around the world. Rise and go, your faith has made you well. But you see here, don't you, the importance as we worship and as we come to worship tonight, the importance of giving thanks. Coming back, praising God by giving thanks. And uh, we mark time, don't we? It's a new year. We look back. The older we get, the more we look back. The more we got to look back on, the less we got to look forward to, especially with what Nigel said earlier about me. Uh, we got all that kind of... But we do, don't we? We look back. And yet, do we look back and give thanks? I know it's a, uh, it's a well-known hymn, isn't it? But, you know, count your blessings, name them all... Uh, name the one by one, and it will surprise you. Shouldn't surprise you, but it does what the Lord has done. Shouldn't surprise us. We should keep a track of what God has done. We should remember all the time. Um, mentioned later, but I've basically got a new job in prison now, and um, one of the things I've had to do is set up a spreadsheet. Mark would love this. A spreadsheet, a tracker, to track kind of applications and people we've seen and all that kind of thing. Just to, so when somebody asks you, you know how many people you've helped. You know you've done this and that, and the numbers are always there. But there's a sense in which in our spiritual life, in our prayer life, we should be tracking that, not on a spreadsheet, but in our prayer life, giving thanks to God constantly, reminding ourselves of all the blessings that he gives us. We think so easily, don't we, that you know, if we've got our health, we've got everything, because that's what the world tells us. Uh, how can you be happy without your health? And yet, sometimes the happiest people are the most unhealthy that you can meet. Uh, and we can give thanks for our health. But there are so many other things that we can give thanks for tonight. The Samaritan comes back. It's significant, isn't it? He throws himself at Jesus' feet. He's giving thanks to Jesus. To Jesus because of who he is. Yes, because of what he's done as well. But Jesus has only done what he's done because of who he is. If he's not the son of God, if he's not God the son, he wouldn't have been able to do what he did. And because of who he is and what he's done, the Samaritan comes and gives thanks and in that way worships. And we need to do that. Tonight as we pray, we should stir ourselves up to, to pray giving thanks. Giving thanks to the God who is eternal. The God who is gracious and merciful. The God who is the one that we call Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And the God that we can know and have that relationship knowing that we are his children and he is our loving father. 
knowing that he is our God and that we are his. And we are in that relationship, knowing that Jesus has accomplished our salvation, and yet we are joint heirs with him of all that he has achieved and accomplished for us. And so we are to give thanks tonight as we pray. We are to give thanks for who he is and because of who he is, what he's been like to us. So gracious, so loving, so kind and given us health and saved us, more importantly, and put us together in a local church and given us friends and companions and and all the different blessings that God gives us. I think it's Dale Ralph Davis, the American preacher and commentator. I think he says this, that if you don't know what to give thanks for, go to your wardrobe and open the doors and you'll see clothes in there. And go to your bin, and, or today, our recycling bin, and see how much food you've eaten and all the wrappers that have gone out. And, uh, and all those blessings that God has given you today. Or when you look at, as I do every day, when you look at your uh, smart meter to see how much electricity you're spending and how much gas, how much gas you're spending just to heat the house because your wife works from home and she insists on, on wearing a onesie and a cardigan and a coat and everything else but having the heat on for an hour in the morning. And I see the cost, but at least we've got electricity and gas. And we could be in the Ukraine where you know, the electricity and gas things are being bombed. We've always got so many things, haven't we, to give thanks to God for. He has put us in Clydach in South Wales at this point in history. As Paul tells us in Acts 17, he has appointed the boundaries of our lands, appointed our time in history. God has put us where he's put us, when he has put us, and we should give him, give him thanks for that, shouldn't we? and for all those other blessings that kind of immediately spring to mind. And so as we come to pray tonight, we come to a God who is worthy of all praise, who is worthy of our thanks, who commands us in 1 Thessalonians and tells us, in fact, what his will for us is. And his will for you this year is the same as it is for me. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in all things, all things... Give thanks. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's his will for us. That we would rejoice. That we would pray without ceasing. And that we would give thanks to God in all things. Because he, his ways are not our ways. But God never makes mistakes either, does he? It's challenged by that. Uh, friends of ours um, that we kind of link to. Uh, wife died very suddenly a few weeks ago, sudden diagnosis, and then just died a few days later. Young, young child, tragic. The husband, in the midst of his grief, God never makes mistakes. That's thankfulness, isn't it? That's faith. That's trusting in the living God, and that's worshipping him and praise him for who he is and for what he's done. And we need to do that at the beginning of a new year.